Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon. We have 14 employees, over 650 titles in print with 20 to 40 new books per year, and we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. This week, we are going to talk about new fangled publicity technologies. Publicity 201. Or 406, who's to say? Spoken like several. did not finish college. Hey, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, Didn't know this you. was the Burns episode. You have, you, have, you, have, you, have, you have like a terminal certificate in your field. I am not dead, in fact. <laughs> so, advanced publicity. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we sell ourselves? So, you know, this is something I run into quite a bit with authors where, you know, they'll have a deal offered to them and part of the deal that the publisher is offering them is like that they'll have a publicity package for the author and I cannot tell you how many times the author is like, who even reads newspapers anymore? Why would that matter? Why would, you know, like I have my audience, my audience is my followers on social media, why would I possibly need to go bigger than that? You know, which is a very valid question, and if the answer is you wouldn't, then you should terminate that conversation and talk about something else with somebody else. Yeah, sometimes the most advanced publicity is just to not do the thing. And, you know, this is... Yeah, this is kind of the fascinating thing that we have stumbled into over the years is that you can, well, you know, I think of it in terms of like, you could spend an infinite number of hours sweeping the floor. You will get infinitely diminishing returns the more time you spend sweeping the floor. You should, however, have somebody spend some amount of time sweeping the floor. And yeah, publicity, you're kind of going for the easiest pickings. I'm glad that you at least picked up that that was a metaphor. <laughs> I'm just looking at how dirty the floor is around us. Mm, point <laughs> taken. It's only a metaphor. Hey, <laughs> I thought the burns were over here. The, <laughs> they're, they're still coming. And so this is kind of how you need to take it is, you know, you could have your book sent to as many outlets as you were hopeful would maybe feature it. You can hire a freelance publicist to do, you know, I'm sure they have $30,000 packages. I'm sure they do. Oh yeah, you could really go to town. You know, so it's more the matter of like, (laughs) reasonably how big is the audience and, you know, how do you reach them? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's not, and so you have audience maintenance and audience growth and those are sort of your two brands and branches of publicity of telling people that already know about you and already know about your work and already know about the book that you know this is what's interesting and cool about it so that's like when you see an article in like a you know like tv guide or whatever that's like this 
new show is going to feature this hot actress, you know, and then you'll be like, oh, I'm now, like, I was interested in it, but now I'm even more interested in it, you know. Or you'll see, like, this author is going to be featured on this, you know, late night talk show, and you're like, oh, well, now I'm definitely going to watch that show, because I love that author. And then it's like a series of tie-ins versus, you know, most independent work really starts and sometimes ends with trying to reach new audiences with the work, you know. But I would stress that both are equally important. So how, so say you have like a literary fiction press, how do you reach new audiences with that? Or how do you reach your existing audience with that? Um, well, you would probably have some relationships with some magazines, and you would probably have some... Oh yeah, from your networking and going to parties. And you would probably have some freelancers that consistently review you, and you would probably have some trade publications that write about you, and so, like, writers and poets and, um, you know, publications like that, and you know, places that, like, Jane Friedman that report on the industry at large, you know, places and also people. And, you know, and looking at it from the perspective of, you know, where are the people that have written about me consistently probably also have a readership that has read about you consistently. Oh, yeah, that is a good rule of publicity is that it is all about building relationships and the best people to pitch are people that have already covered you and that mm -hmm. you've already thanked and yeah. you've been and you thoughtful in yeah. how you pitch them. And you don't need to sell them on it in quite the same manner because they're presumably already interested. You know, there's a few times where I've like overpitched something to somebody and then they come back and they're like, are you saying that you want to come on the program? <laughs> because, you know, if you want to, we can do that. <laughs> you know, and so, Sometimes that's all you, you know, if you have a relationship, you should act like you have a relationship. If you don't have a relationship, you can build a relationship. Yeah, like you ideally will, are going to build up a Rolodex or, you know, you probably don't say Rolodex anymore. Virtual Rolodex. You're going to build up a spreadsheet of people that you can just be like, oh, hey, Mary, I've got another, I've got another book you're going to love. This one you should probably pitch to the, you know, Arts and Crafts magazine or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that's similarly... You know, I, I know a lot of people that are really good at getting publicity and really bad at selling books because they're so intent on like, oh, well, so-and-so would write about it and these people would be interested in it. And, you know, they're not following it to the logical conclusion, which is bringing it to audiences. You know, it's not right. about seeing your name in print a certain number of times or as many times as possible even. It's about segmentation and audiences. Those are hard conversations. I have that conversation with our authors now as soon as we sign the contract where I'm like, we are not going to take you on the ego publicity campaign. Right, right. If your goal is to see your book praised a lot in public, that, that's not going to be that way. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And yeah, I know. And it is kind of the fascinating thing that I found is um, often making something of note will result in publicity requests or just yeah. like ink virtual ink totally yeah like if your thing is cool like development is your best publicity because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. people want to take the photo and post it somewhere and yeah yeah that's true and like similarly a good looking book you know tends to photograph frequently i had a fascinating conversation at pnba with a young publicist who had like 
since joining the small press she worked with had increased their sales very substantially. And she had done it by doing kind of all of the traditional literary fiction publicity things, I mean, really sending out a ton of arcs for review and also sending arcs to booksellers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's smart. Like, I don't know how smart that would be for us because bookstores are not our primary market. But I feel like if bookstores are kind of your only market, that is what you have to do. Right. I know. I do wonder, yeah, if we could, we could probably markedly increase our bookstore sales by sending out quite a few arcs to bookstores but then at the end of the day it's like you know most oh i hate to be the one to be smirched and, and you know and it's not be smirching it so much as it's like the math of the matter is like most bookstores will order one maybe two copies of a book and sometimes the love of the staff will drive that to 15 copies in a year mm-hmm. but sometimes even that cannot sell the books out the door and the books get returned you know so you really need to think about it in terms of like what is your best leverage yeah i'm honestly your best leverage is probably not to publish literary fiction sorry everyone but if that's what you're doing that's what you should make work right and you also need to get it reviewed in the trade publications and sometimes even (laughs) buying advertising or sponsorship at events that are for booksellers might be a good idea Mm -hmm. like these are definitely you know this is the game this this is the game you play right and if that's your audience you know something like your regional trade show is a big one where you can get the book in front of booksellers and that's sort of how you get your book into hundreds of stores and then you know the national show which is now called winter institute and then though to be fair, there are like six other organizations gunning to become the national book show, but none of them terribly successful. So stay tuned to see if anybody wins that crown. What are some other publicity things that used to work and don't really work anymore? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, the big one back in the day was that what we would do is we would have like one national review that would sort of like have a series of echoes where other people wrote about it versus nowadays you don't really see that people don't really look to what their competitors are doing right like if even if you do manage to get a coveted review in the new yorker the la times book review it's just kind of gonna sink like a stone it doesn't force the washington post to like write their response review because it's like readership of those publications is really really segmented now i mean part of it is just because like those publications are struggling like they're not like they don't have the budget they don't have the clout they used to they they're they're getting more books than ever pitched to them yeah Yeah. for fewer review less review space less review budget it's kind of a losing game yeah there was a moment a few years ago where uh, a publisher that you know is successful they told me that and this is geez not quite 15 years ago but in the neighborhood of 15 years ago they're like nowadays and they're you know relatively fringe but established in their field they said that even a good review in the new york times did not sell 200 copies of a book you know and that was a little shocking to me because you know i was still fairly dyed in the wool punk rocker so i was like what but that's you know huh and then nowadays i'm like i'm no longer 
needing convinced that that's something we want to do. I'm like, the point of the matter is we want the people that are interested in what we're doing to know about it. So events are really best as leverage for publicity, and they're one of the best levers for publicity. Because like, if you want somebody to write about, about your book, and it's not probably getting a book review is going to be the hardest way to do that, but having them write about like an event that their readers are going to be potentially interested in going to is what news outlets want most of all. And sometimes you can even get like the local TV station to come and cover your event. If, if it has some kind of visually compelling and, you know, aspect. Mm-hmm. And if it's a slow news night. Yeah. But it never hurts to let them know. And I mean, I don't know if this is from, I have successfully utilized this strategy over the years, have been the cover story on various um, small town alt weeklies. And I don't know if that is a matter of a slow news week or if that's a matter of like me saying like quirky and quotable things or what, but I can't even tell you how many times like you roll into town for your event, you're on the cover of the weekly, the venue that is not very large to begin with is packed. You know, people really think it's the thing to do that night, you know, and then as such, you obviously sell a lot of books. Or if there's like a special interest blog or a social media or something, if you're having a virtual event, those special interest places are the place to promote your event. When you're promoting book events or any events, you need to get the word out at least two weeks in advance, preferably three or four um, longer for print media. And um, and sometimes if it's like an online listing, they'll write back and be like, tell me the Wednesday before. And then, you know, just set your calendar reminder and do it. But it's almost not worth it to do events if you're not getting publicity for them, as we have learned. They have to really be to leverage the event, leverages the media, which leverages the event, which leverages the book sales. And if you can do enough of those and have enough events, you know, this this is how what a lot of people use to leverage their way into the times lists mm-hmm. because then that's the bef- point of the tour for the returns come in the sales figures can be immense you know that's sort of an old and relatively precarious mechanism yet but um yeah it 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 would theoretically still work especially as like the qualifying numbers that get on the times lists are less than they once were Another way to leverage your book for media and vice versa is if your book is nonfiction and it makes you an expert in a subject, then you can kind of present yourself as an expert in that subject when somebody is writing an article about the subject. And they'll usually be like, you know, Joe Beale, author of How to Sell Stuff in an Event, had this to say about the dismal sales at this event. (laughs) You know, and like some of them will even link to your sales link if you ask them nicely right right so that's another way and like the way to kind of have that is partly just to like kind of have your book be known but you can also put yourself out there um through your relationships with reporters um there's a service called help a reporter out where you can be like oh hey i'm an expert on this topic and reporters will post and being like I need somebody who's an expert on using Tarot and intimate relationships for an article for the Huffington Post. And, you know, that stuff has limited leverage, most of what's on there. But, yeah, you know, (laughs) sometimes it's what you need. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is, you know, like all things, this stuff works best when it's mutually beneficial. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. 
And I've booked many an event surely because when I got a non-answer enough times, I would just ask, okay, what's it going to take to make this happen? And if it's not going to happen, please just tell me now. Mm. And I'll tell you, every single time the person booked the event, they never said, eh, I don't think so. They always said, okay, we're, we're on for that date. Yeah, I, I wish I'd done that back when I was booking events. Mm, well, better late than never. <laughs> Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm... On Facebook at Microcosm Publishing. On Instagram at Microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.